I remember watching President Barack Obama's inauguration ceremony. As joyous as it was, I was afraid some crazy shit was about to go down. And we discovered many years later that there was a very credible threat to that inauguration because I understood that he was and will always be at physical risk for having the audacity to run and win the presidency twice as a black man. When I say that the fear I felt last week was 10 times worse, that should give you an idea of how bad things had gotten here. I didn't trust that things would go off smoothly and held my breath until Joseph and Robinette Biden's old wrinkled hand was on that massive family Bible. That thing's huge. It's pretty shocking to admit that I was worried that I would actually see someone murdered on TV. And let's be real. I've seen murders on TV before. It just wouldn't be defenseless people of color minding their own business. I didn't realize how stressed out I was until the end of this week when I finally exhaled at 9 p.m. Mountain Time Wednesday evening. Then on Thursday and Friday, I had a massive, massive headache as if I had quit something cold turkey, like drugs or something. Like I, I felt like shit. For almost nine hours on Friday, I was just physically ill, like everything was wrong. (laughs) But it wasn't just me. I read comments from other people online that talked about how they were dealing with TMJ from clenching their jaws, like they were having a lot of pain in their their jaws because of just clenching their teeth at night. Um, I had actually heard a lot of people talking about how they had to get mouth guards in the last couple years. And in fact, dentists were talking about the uptick in fixing broken teeth over the last couple of years because people were literally so stressed out that they would clench their teeth. People shared that they were also just waiting for the other shoe to drop. In this episode, I'm going to share some things that I was afraid to share last week why personal finance is political, and my thoughts about what's next. You can go to the show notes at michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash new president. the other day to make sure that I was carrying mace. Now, the thing is, I I carry something with me every single day. So there's no, I was a little surprised that she was worried about this. But what I would find out later on in the week was that she had been screamed at by a crazy construction guy. Yes, he was white, who basically said that everyone would be getting theirs this week. Like she was just minding her business, having a nice, you know, cup of coffee sitting in the sunshine and she, he asked her to move in some sort of way. And all of a sudden he was screaming at her, at her. It was crazy. And yes, she did put in a report because literally it was a threat to her life basically. And, um, so yeah, that is, that is just a little insight into how this week was. Again, I always carry something on me. Living under an increasingly fascist government with white nationalist overtones as a black woman has been exhausting. 
exhausting. There will be people who push back on this statement. The last administration was white nationalist fascist government. But what I will say is that you can't tell me how I experienced the last four years. You can't tell me how I feel about what I experienced. Something I think about often is that every U.S. president becomes someone else's war criminal, even my beloved President Obama. The thing is, 45 became my personal war criminal and a threat to me and mine. What I was afraid to mention in last week's episode was that I was making very real calculations about leaving the U.S. However, the biggest issue that I was dealing with was that I had let my passport lapse. This was a huge mistake, and I felt this keenly as I watched the previous White House residents' increasingly aggressive efforts to overthrow the election results. I was issued my first passport when I was two years old, and basically I've had one my entire adult life. And the one time I didn't have one was the one time where I really really needed one. And the reason why I didn't have one is that during debt repayment, I knew that I wouldn't be traveling overseas as I focused on taking care of that goal. In fact, my last trip abroad was in 2015 when I visited Australia for a couple of months. Now I was freaking out and asking me how in the fuck was I going to get out of the U.S. if things went left? What if I submitted my application and a new directive was passed down that limited who could get approved for a passport? Here's the thing. I worked in immigration before. I worked with international students, and I knew that this was a very real possibility moving forward under the previous administration. It wasn't something that we hadn't seen. We'd seen directives towards people outside of the U.S., but that didn't mean that moving forward there wouldn't be punitive directives for U.S. citizens. So I was beginning to get very stressed out about this and worried. And I knew that this was a very real possibility, like I said, moving forward. And honestly, I know of people who moved out of the country in the last couple of years because they really felt that they were in danger. And this was a reasonable concern and fear. They are not coming back. And even though I make money online, I was missing the one document that I needed to make a move like that happen. I couldn't legally leave. I couldn't be a digital nomad without a passport. By the way, this was a completely different conversation than Al Gore and George Bush when he was pissed off about those hanging chads. And the reason why all of this was different was I didn't think that George Bush was coming after me. I just didn't like his politics. The difference was that I really did feel and it was validated that 45's administration was definitely coming after people like me. After this experience, I will always look at every country's administration side-eyed and I will always have a passport on hand. I recommend that you do too. And I I do want to mention one thing. Last year in the U.S., they stopped processing passports for quite a while. And this was the other thing that freaked me out because I knew that if I were able to, if I made my request, I wasn't sure how long it would take for the request to be processed. So that was the other concern. They had stopped processing passports. Then there was my business. I work a 10-month year. Basically, I really try to hustle hard from January through the end of October, beginning of November. But this year, I noticed that I just was unable to focus. I had this huge issue just hovering over my head. It was just hanging over my head. And 
because I knew that I was going to have to make some different choices if the previous administration stole the election, it was really hard for me to figure out where to focus with my business because I was like, I might, I, I have to figure this out because I might have to leave Colorado. Like I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And also it just affected my ability to focus and be creative. My plan was to write books and just start working on these projects that I had worked on and figured out for the new year. And I had to put that on pause because the stress of everything affected my creativity. I don't know how people are able to be creative and compartmentalize in the way that they do. I, I can't do that. Like, I, I'm just like, look, we got a freaking pandemic plague situation. We've got coup. We've got a recession slash depression. We got all kinds of stuff happening here. So it was really, I was just distracted. I could not focus. Um, I had even scheduled a staycation kind of business planning retreat and I had to cancel it because I wasn't going to be able to relax enough to do the things I was trying to do until this whole thing was settled. Being in an uncivil war. For a while now, I felt like we were in a war of sorts. And when President Biden in his inaugural address re referenced an uncivil war that we're that we've been dealing with, I thought that was the perfect way to frame it. And I thought it would be a good time to share a story about a conversation that I had this fall. I was sitting on a coffee shop patio as I do, enjoying the sunshine in my neighborhood, drinking a cup of coffee, just, you know, minding my business. It's not unusual at all to have conversations with the different people who come and go in the shop. It's very typical and very enjoyable. Anyway, an older couple start talking to me as they were leaving the shop. Like somehow we start having a conversation and we'd seen each other before. It wasn't completely random, by the way. And the wife was really, really worried. She's like, you know, I really want Biden to win and I'm really worried that he won't. Then her husband was like, well, you know, I want dump to win and blah, blah, blah. And, and so this couple who'd been together forever, they were in their 70s, they were having a real crisis in their marriage because they just believed two fundamentally different things. And the husband says to me, and this isn't the first time, but this was the first time I said something back. The husband goes, you know, we're going to, we're in a civil war. We're going to have a civil war. And now for those of you outside the United States, you may not have understood that people really thought that we were going to be in the streets of America fighting an actual civil war with guns and whatever is going on with their brains. They literally thought we were going to have a, a civil war or a race war. And I'll never forget saying the following to the husband. And this is basically what I said. I was like, dude, we're a bunch of fat and lazy people with something to lose. This is in 1865. The slaves were already slaves. We had nothing to lose. So we were going to, we were done. Everyone else, they were basically working on farms and stuff. Like they barely had anything. But it's 2020, 2021. People have houses, they have cars, they have reputations. And I was like, sir, are you really wanting to tear up your million dollar home fighting an actual war for this guy? This guy being the president at the time. And he was really surprised at how I framed it because I, I was just like, you guys have stuff to lose. Why would you like, this is the hill that you literally are excited to die on was my thought. And as we saw in the past week, 
there were a lot of people who were keyboard warriors who had a lot to lose and were watching traders being rightfully dragged online and on TV by their friends and family and basically losing everything for a man who only cares about his bottom line. A lot of people were shocked, <laughs> apparently, when President Biden was sworn in because they were under the impression that the war would start then, is my understanding. So this is this is what we've been dealing with, people overseas, in case you don't understand how bad it, bad it was getting. By the way, Americans are fucked up. I, I always joke about Americans because I'm an American, so I joke that we're batshit crazy. But at this point, I want to say that we're fucked up. And I'm going to say why. And I want to say that I'm not saying this lightly. Like, I'm being very serious when I say this. We've experienced a massive trauma. We've lost friends and family because of politics and beliefs. We have become uncomfortable being around a number of our previous acquaintances and colleagues because we don't trust their belief systems, regardless of the side of the aisle that you're on. There will be many people who will want to move on from all of this like it never happened. I can't and you shouldn't, i.e. you people who are here in the U.S. shouldn't try to pretend like this didn't happen. It's my personal view that we must aggressively document this experience because it will happen to other people in another community sooner than you would think. I've lost overseas friends, not because of anything that I did, but because after the initial amusement from other countries where initially like when all this stuff started and you know, 2017 or whatever, they, th they thought it was funny. And then they were like, oh shit, this is, this is bad. This is bad. And we don't have the language to even console our friend because this is beyond our scope of experience. And honestly, I wouldn't wish this on them. I am glad this is beyond their scope of experience and that they were unable to have the language or the words to be like, Michelle, we're really sorry that this is what you're having to live through. We were dealing with people who literally were in a cult. And honestly, if you've ever dealt with people who are in a cult, they don't believe that they're in a cult. They just don't. The cognitive dissonance was crazy. What will forever be jarring about what we've gone through is how normal some aspects of our life seem to be. We still spoke at conferences. We still worked at our nine to fives. We still, if we were entrepreneurs, we're working and growing our businesses. And weirdly, I made more money last year. We went skiing and did other things, obviously, until the pandemic hit and things kind of shifted around. It was as if we were living two separate lives. The life where we pretended everything was okay when the world was actually on fire around us. We would joke and make hilarious TikTok videos and tweets. And I would think to myself, some of the funniest people out there are the people who are in the most pain. I can't pretend and you shouldn't either. For me, in order to move forward, I can't pretend like this crazy shit didn't happen. I can't pretend that I watch the U.S. president on a regular basis disrespect and talk down to black women, white women, the media, Democrats, anyone he could just because he felt like it, because he, he could without impunity. I can't pretend that white nationalism wasn't empowered and that it became a regular thing to watch videos of people telling other people that they were white and allowed to do whatever they wanted to do because they were white. <laughs> and 
Real talk, it's not my problem that you squandered a 400-year lead in a country set up for your success. So you're pissed off now because you push back on all the policies that would actually help you. And now you're mad because some people may or may not be flourishing or you may or may not be flourishing. That's not my, that's not my problem. You can't put that on me. That is your fault. Especially, like I said, you had a 400-year lead. I cannot pretend that people didn't understand that there was actually a huge difference between being a regular conservative and being a Trumper, with the exception of, obviously, the hundreds of thousands of conservatives who were never Trumpers and were who were part of the process of sounding the alarm that this wasn't normal, what we were experiencing. I can't pretend that there were babies, people's babies put in fucking cages. I can't pretend like that didn't happen. And then I can't pretend that people believed in something called QAnon because they were crazy. Even the word is weird, right? QAnon? Does that even sound, you know, I watch Star Trek. I'm a Trekkie and this sounds like a word from Star Trek. Anyway, and there were people who sat there and, and believed that this was real. And I thought to myself, did you ever just sit there and think, does any of this sound strange to you? And then These were the same people who were okay with brown babies being put in cages. The whole conspiracy theory is about children and pedophilia. I don't want to get all into it because it's crazy. But then I thought, if you really cared about kids, wouldn't you care about kids in cages? But I digress. I can't pretend that I regularly saw replays of black men and women getting shot and killed on TV over and over and over again. I can't pretend that I wasn't watching a a slow moving coup attempt and that there was an actual coup attempt and that we almost lost our democracy to an orange asshole who owes a lot of money to all the wrong people and was freaking out because he was seeing the end of Long Con. I can't and won't forget all the people who would throw me under the bus for money or holding on to some perceived sense of power because of color. I won't forget that people would try to gaslight me with a whole But Candace Owens works with him. The fact that that would lead into a really uncomfortable conversation where I would have to tell people, not all skin folk are kin folk. And by the way, I want to point this out. Not all black people are liberal or progressive. There are a lot of people who are conservative. I used to be very conservative. Life has changed me and I'm I'm a progressive now, but people have different experiences. So I do want to kind of asterisk that. But the minute that would be said to me, and that was said a couple of times where people trying to gaslight me and get me to think that what I was seeing was like just my imagination. And I'd be like, like, fuck off. I won't forget the increasing homeless camps, homeless camps on the streets of Denver in the last four years as people fell through the financial cracks. It's crazy to me to listen to people staying aligned with policies that hurt them so that other people that they think shouldn't be helped because of their color or because they think they're lazy or whatever's going on, they just say no policies that would actually help them too. And by the way, I'm not saying that people in those homeless camps are part of the problem. I'm I'm saying that part of a lot of this policy that people are sticking with they're hurting everybody and it's stupid as hell. I spend a lot of time thinking about Germany and Germans after the war ended and what it must have been like to have to break bread with assholes, with murderers, with people that you couldn't respect. 
that you didn't like, that you, you didn't care for, but they were your cousins, brothers, uncles, sisters, moms. What's that like? I think about that a lot because we're in that experience, right? I think about the fact that our elected officials on January 6th were almost murdered and then had to finish their job on the same day. And they did after experiencing a trauma. Like it was traumatic for me to see that happen. How do you think they feel? How do you think they feel? And now a lot of the people who are part of that might not even be prosecuted. By the way, personal finance is political, which is why I decided to continue sharing podcast episodes that shared my thoughts on policies such as the $15 minimum wage conversation, universal basic income, and more. Moving forward, I'm working on this episode from one of my favorite coffee shop patios. It's a beautiful day and I've chit-chatted with my coffee shop friends, sat in the sunshine and just, I had a beautiful day today. People are leaving the gym next door and people are walking their dogs. The little girl sitting at the table across from me keeps waving at me. She's really cute. She's like two has a little ponytail that sticks up. Yesterday, a man on the light rail serenaded me and it was really beautiful and moving because that was the first music that I'd heard played, live music, since the pandemic happened and all of us were clapping and it was just beautiful. I've noticed people putting the American flag out again in my neighborhood. My neighborhood is a very wealthy neighborhood. It's very liberal. And I noticed that people were like this. We're not about this life. We, we're, we are not signing on to this. We're not co-signing what's happening around us, even though they benefited from the stock market, even though our properties have appreciated, they weren't on board. The energy has begun to change slowly, but surely, but deep down, I'm be honest, I don't trust the sense of normalcy. I'm working on a series of episodes that I plan on releasing at the end of February. Basically, this series will be about this unfortunate lived experience that I've had and others had during fascism. I'm even going to interview a historian in the personal finance space to kind of talk about what happened from a money perspective and context. I wanna share how other people experienced the last four years. It is my view that it's extremely urgent that we document how we experience this, mo this moment in history, create podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, write books. By documenting the experience, we will be able to validate how we feel, validate our experience, and also work through the trauma while helping other people recognize the signs of accelerating fascism in their country. It's not enough to just let historians document this history. Crazy thing about this episode is I didn't even really talk about the pandemic. I didn't even really talk about the economy. Americans have a lot to process and it's going to take us a while to get back to where <laughs> we're normal-ish. We literally, again, have gone through a pandemic fascism and a coup attempt. We're going to be working through our issues for a while because the wolf is still at the door. Just because Biden's president doesn't mean this is over. It just means that Biden is president. 
I share this episode to ultimately say the following to you. We're not okay. Thank you for listening and stay safe.